This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. So, um, I have a typical job of two things. One is to speak over a wedding um, in the other room, and the other is to be what's in between you and Iftar. So, make dua for me, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your fast and your sacrifice. I want to begin with a hadith that um, is, it just makes me cry. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that every single action that we do, he rewards us multiplied. Like the reward is always multiplied, Allah subhanahu wa tells us. He says that the reward will be multiplied times 10 up to 700. And this is because of the generosity and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa But he says, with the exception of fasting. And this is the part that really touched me because he says that for fasting, the reward is, is, is something else. Like he puts fasting in a special category. And I want you guys to reflect about that for a second. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that his mercy is so much that he will, he will multiply all the rewards from 10 to up to 700. But fasting, he's saying, except for fasting, right? That's special. He said that reward is for me. That reward is with me. Why? Why is fasting so special to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Listen to this. Because Allah says, because that human being gave up their desire for my sake. And that's powerful. That whenever we give up something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is so heavy in the scale. It is something so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because of this thing called sacrifice. That sacrifice is that powerful. Sacrifice is that powerful that it, its reward is something that's infinite. That Allah subhanahu says, but that, that's special for me. Now, just recently I read this, this, this uh, article, and it was, it was actually, no, it was actually a scientist, a psychologist. And he was saying that a lot of the studies that, that we did uh, about how do we predict success, were completely off the mark. So what they, they had a lot of studies looking at children, trying to predict which children are going to be successful in the future. So they looked at different aspects, they looked at different uh, markers, and he found that most of them were off the mark. For example, they looked at IQ, right? And they would look at IQ and say, okay, does that predict success in the future? And they found that it actually doesn't. It doesn't necessarily predict success. There were children uh, or humans that had very high IQ, and they ended up being—they ended up, uh, you know, kind of not not being successful in society. So he said that the only successful test, there was only one successful test that really, at that you could look at children, give them this test, and it would help predict success in the future. And this is really fascinating. And that success and that and that test is called the marshmallow test. I don't know anyone who studies psychology probably learned this, but here's how it goes: you go to a kid and you say, 
give you a marshmallow, right? Right now, immediately. Or you can wait two hours and I can give you two. You see? So now the child is being given a choice. I can either give you one marshmallow right now, immediate gratification, immediate gratification, or you can wait two hours and I'll give you two. And this is what they found actually had a significant uh, link to whether or not these children grew up to be successful. It was the ability, it was those children who had the ability to what they call in psychology, delay gratification. That they thought, you know what, I want the marshmallow, but if I am patient, if I restrain myself and wait, and I delay that gratification, I get more. And it was that muscle, it was that ability to do that, that predicted success in the future. And this is, this is dunya success, right? Now let's focus on that for a second, reflect on that for a second. This concept of delayed gratification, that is exactly what we're doing here in Ramadan. That is exactly what fasting is. It's our ability to say, you know what, yes, I'm not gonna eat just now. I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to wait. Yes, I wanna eat, yes, I'm thirsty. Yes, there's, you know, and, and, and many of us go to work, people around us are eating, right? We're seeing people everywhere eating and drinking. We're not living in a Muslim country. And yet, I say no, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna restrain myself, I'm going to delay gratification. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards for this infinitely. The Prophet said that the reward, or rather the joy, for the fasting person, there's two times of joy for the fasting person. The first is when they break their fast. Everyone knows how good that feels, right? I mean, dates have never tasted better, right? I mean, you can eat a date any other time of the year, and it doesn't taste the same, right? Am I right? It doesn't taste the same. It actually doesn't taste the same. And that's because there's a special joy to breaking your fast. At that moment of breaking the fast, it's, it's so, there's so much joy to that. And the second Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is that when you meet Allah, that's the second time of joy. And so we are, as believers, we are able to delay that gratification and as a result and as a reward of that, not only do we get success in this life, but success ultimately, infinite success in the hereafter. Now, when we talk about fasting, um, now mashallah, every year we do this. Why are we doing this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the ayah that was recited, and you, many of you have heard, Ya um, That, oh you who believe, fasting was prescribed upon you as it was prescribed to those who came before you. So this, first of all, Fasting isn't something new. Fasting has always been a spiritual tool. And those of you who study even other spiritual paths will know that fasting is a part of it. That there are, there are other religions, many other religions, they use fasting. Fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was prescribed to those who came before you. Why? In order for you to grow in this muscle called taqwa in order for you to build taqwa. Now what is taqwa? Allah here in Surah Al-Baqarah is saying that we fast in order for us to build taqwa. 
but what is taqwa? If I ask most people what's taqwa, their answer is going to be fear of Allah, right? Cool. That's not all taqwa is. And a lot of times when we hear the word fear, we have a certain connotation to the concept of fear. We think like, we fear our enemies. Why should we fear someone we love? This is usually the thought that we have. And a lot of people can't understand how you reconcile love and fear, right? Like, we love Allah, right? Hopefully, presumably, we love Allah. But some people are like, but I love Allah, why should I fear Him? You know, where is, how do you, how do you reconcile between love and fear? And to answer that, I just have to ask you one question. Think about the human being in your life that you love the most. Think about the human being in your life that you love the most. Everybody thought of this person? Yes? Okay. Now I want you to think about how it would feel if that person told you one day, I never want to speak to you again. Or I never, I never want to see you again. Or I am so angry with you that I'm cutting you off. Now, everyone tell me, what feeling does that bring about? Anyone? Fear. Fear. And that is because love and fear are linked. That when you love someone, you fear displeasing them. Right? You fear being cut off from them. You fear being distant from them. You fear their displeasure with you. Yes or no? Yeah. And this is this is how now the more that we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more we should fear him. The more we should fear his displeasure and his anger. Because Allah tells us that on the day of judgment, one of the worst punishments for the disbeliever is to be cut off from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's for Allah to say that I will not speak to you today. For Allah to say, for Allah to put a, a barrier between that person and Him. Because as you know, what is the best reward of paradise? The best reward of paradise is the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just to be with Allah, to see Allah. To see Allah and to be in Allah's company. And on the other hand, the worst punishment of hellfire is to be cut off from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In addition to the punishment is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I mean, can you imagine Allah saying that today you will be forgotten? Today you will be forgotten as you forgot my sons. Now I want you guys just to imagine for a moment your mother saying that to you, just your mom saying you're forgotten, like to actually forget you, you know? And this isn't your mother, but imagine Allah saying that you'll be forgotten. That is fear. That brings about fear, and it should, right? Because Allah is the one who's always with us in this life. Allah never forgets us. But in the hereafter, Allah says that those who forgot Allah in this life will be forgotten in that life. And that should make us afraid. Taqwa, taqwa is to guard ourselves from the wrath of Allah, from the anger of Allah, from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and from the distance from Allah. Fasting builds this muscle, the ability to delay gratification, the ability to restrain ourselves from our desires. We have natural desires for food and water and intimacy. And all of these are being restrained, being restrained for the sake of Allah
building muscle in the gym, right? What do you have to do to build muscle in the gym? You have to do resistance training. You have to resist and you have to lift, right? Yeah? So in order to build, we have to, we have to actually put in work and that involves resistance. And in the same way, in order to build this spiritual muscle, to build taqwa, we have to resist. We have to be able to go through some portion of resistance and some, some, some amount of struggle and sacrifice. And when we do that, we become stronger. And here's the point. Every human being is made up of two things, right? There is the physical side of the human being and there's the unseen or the spiritual side of the human being, right? Every human being has this. We have the body and we have the soul. Now, there are certain things that the body needs to become strong. There are certain things that the body needs to sustain life. Everybody with me? What are those things? Food, water, air, right? These are things we need to stay alive physically. But the soul also has things that it needs to stay alive. And what happens in Ramadan is that we are, in a sense, starving the body but feeding the soul. We are not eating, we are not giving food to the body, but we are giving food to the soul. And this is so important because most of our lives are spent feeding the body, let's be honest, right? Most of our lives we focus on the needs of our, our physical needs, the needs of our physical self, right? I feel hungry, I gotta eat, right? I feel cold, I gotta, you know, warm myself up. I'm thirsty, I drink. I have a desire, I fulfill it. We're, we're, we tend to focus a lot of our efforts on fulfilling the physical needs. But many of us neglect the spiritual needs. Many of us neglect the needs of our heart and the needs of our soul. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes and out of His mercy, He makes it required for us to feed our soul in Ramadan. You see? Allah is requiring us to feed our soul through fasting. And this is one of the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's allowing us to put aside. It's like, you know, in, in, in any, in any, imagine that you're in a battlefield for a second, right? And you have all these enemies coming at you, right? You're trying to be, you're trying to, you're trying to win. And you have all these enemies coming at you. Imagine you have all these different armies. Now, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing for us in Ramadan is he is tying up some of these armies to allow us to be successful. What are these enemies? What are these armies? Well, first of all, we know we have this thing called the nafs, right? What's the nafs? Our own self. Now, our own self has a lower part. In other words, the lower desires, the animalistic side of the human being. That's the nafs, okay? We have a lower self, the lower desires, which is the nafs. Now, now this nafs, the lower part of the nafs, or nafs al-ammara, this is a side of the human that pulls the human being towards things which are more animalistic. Follow your desires, regardless of whether it's right or wrong. Now we have the nafs, and that's one enemy. And by the way, the nest is one of the hardest enemies to fight. Because it's you. 
It's within you. You know, many people ask this question. How do I know if a whisper is from my nafs or from shaitan? Right? Well, essentially it's not necessarily relevant. The point is that if it's wrong, it's wrong. But one way you'll know is that the whisper of shaitan, the whisper of shaitan can come from any angle. Shaitan wants us to disobey Allah from any door. Really, he doesn't really care as long as we disobey Allah. And usually what shaitan does is he uses the nafs to get to us. If that makes sense. I'll explain what I mean. The nafs is my own weaknesses. And every individual has their own weaknesses, right? Certain people have a weakness in this department, others have a weakness in that department, right? So what will happen is shaitan will use your weakness against you. And sometimes you'll find that there's certain whispers or certain sins that we become addicted to. That's the nafs, right? It's not just like shaitan can come at you medicine, but the nafs has certain attachments and certain weaknesses. That's me, that's myself. And this is an enemy I have to fight. That's the whole concept of tazkiyah. Tazkiyah is to purify. And tazkiyah to nafs is to, is to work to purify that lower self. Because within every human being is kind of like this untamed beast. And if you don't, if you don't tame it, and you just feed it, it becomes a monster, right? And, and we see this throughout the world. What happens to a human being when they don't tame the monster inside? I mean, the kind of carnage that the human being can cause is unbelievable. And that's because the human has the potential to be a monster. If, if that nest is not tamed and just fed. Do you understand what I mean? You can become, you know, we, we can become like the shayateen. We can become like the devils if that nest is not tamed, right? So this enemy is very serious. But we have another enemy, which is the external enemy. I've just spoken about the internal enemy, right? We have another enemy, which is the external enemy, and that is Shaitan and his army, right? Now, Shaitan and his army are always at us, as they promised, as Shaitan promised, I will come at you, I will come at your believing slaves from their front and from their back. And notice that Shaitan, when he promised to do this, he said, I will attack them on your straight path. Do you know what that means? It means that it's the people who are trying so hard to stay on the straight path that, that the shayateen want to attack more, right? Because they're the ones you have to work harder to get. So he's saying, I will attack them on your straight path. And he says that I will come at them from their front and from their back, from their right and from their left. Meaning that shaytan and his army are going to come from every direction that they possibly can to try to take us off the straight path. So here we are in this battle of life, right? With all these, these, these enemies, yeah? We have the internal enemy, that's me. And we have the external enemy, which is Shaitan and his army. So what does Allah do in Ramadan? Allah, in His mercy, ties up one of the enemies. And that's what the Prophet said that when Ramadan enters, the doors of paradise are open, the doors of hellfire are closed, and the shayateen are tied up. Allah has eliminated one of the major enemies, and that is shaitan and his army. You feel me? So what's left? 
the nest. The nest. That's now that's me. That's my internal enemy. That part in me that can become a monster if it's not tamed. Right? The selfish part. The part that 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 hungers for power. Right? You know what I'm talking about? We see that in, in, in many of our leaders, what that can look like. What that can look like when it's not taped. That greed, that's all nefs. That's the nefs. And so we have this left. So what does Ramadan do? Well, it ties up the external enemy and now empowers us against the internal enemy. It empowers us against our nefs. How? Through fasting. When we fast, when we fast, we are suppressing the nefs. When we fast, we are taming the nefs. Because the nefs is saying, eat, drink, intimacy. That's what the nefs is saying. That's, that's part of the lower desires. That's the lower self. We have a lower self, the physical, and we have a, a higher self, the spiritual. It's the lower self that's saying, eat, drink, intimacy. And we are, we are taming that through fasting. We are taming that through extra ibadah, through extra worship. And in that way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing us to win this battle.